Yeah. So Jeff, we're gonna, I'm gonna do a little intro here. So we're basically the whole goal is, is to talk to other podiatrists that are entrepreneurs mm -hmm. and that are wanting to think outside of the box in podiatry, whether it be in their practice or on mm -hmm. a side hustle, kind of like what this, um, what this myfootshop.com is. So, okay. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Hello and welcome to Podiatry Practice Mastery. My name is Don Pelto and I have Dr. Jeff Oster here and we're going to be talking about uh, his, his my shop, myfootshop.com. So welcome, Jeff. Thank you. Great yeah, to be here. So tell, tell me a little bit, we were talking and I wanted to get it on film here. So tell me a little bit about your story, how you got into developing this online website. Back in the 1990s, I think there was a lot of frustration in medicine and, and anybody who was in practice at that time, we were going through a transition where a lot of our independence was being taken away. And I think we all found different ways to create an outlet for that frustration. Mine turned out to be that in the evenings, I would sit down and write about what I knew about. Uh, during the day, I would collect photos and stories. Uh, and then in the evenings, uh, pull these stories together into this new thing that was called the internet. I was lucky enough to have a good friend who is the communications director for the uh, AFL-CIO, who was interested in, in cutting-edge technology for uh, communications on the internet. So he helped me build an early um, uh, prototype of this website that we now call myfootshop.com. Um, ultimately, the uh, website became an educationally-driven website. Uh, it contains over 120 different knowledge base articles. And I think we use our knowledge base articles if we if we convert to um, uh, internet language. We use our knowledge base articles as content marketing. So a good example would be, let's say uh, you go to the doctor, the doctor says you have tarsal tunnel syndrome. You listen to the explanation, it makes no sense. You go out to your car, you get on your phone and you search for tarsal tunnel syndrome and that's where we connect. And so the educational content I think is is consumer oriented. Um, we do try to keep it a little technical. Um, you know, you and I, we spend our lives trying to learn technical terms and then the rest of our lives trying to Simplify. unbundle those technical terms. Yeah, into a, a vernacular that our, our patients can understand. But ultimately then the knowledge base, um, we thought, well, how do we go ahead and uh, hook this up to an e-commerce platform? And it was a challenge initially, because I think when you start to sell things on a website, um, you're really challenged to maintain the validity of the content so that you don't have bias to try to, um, to, try to uh, uh, sell products. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I've really struggled with this over the years, but the, the, I think the explanation that I've come up with most is how does a newspaper publisher write an article about, um, say, a, a person who's prominent in the community who, who is buying advertising in their newspaper, but let's say he's also under investigation by the local district attorney's office, right? You know, so you have that internal conflict and we really, really uh, stress objectivity and try to eliminate bias, but you also have to pay your way in life. And, and we chose not to build the platform like WebMD that's just slathered in advertising and difficult to get through, you know, all of their uh, uh, promotions from uh, third parties. Mm -hmm. Ours is uh, completely free of advertising, uh, but uh, focuses on product sales specific to those conditions. So for instance, if you read one of our articles, let's say about turf toe, 
uh, there would be products specifically tied for consumers to look at that uh, uh, would be specific to turf toe, like a turf toe plate or a spring plate um, that uh, they could then purchase. Hmm. So a lot of what we have is educational content that we find a big driver in our sales are referrals from um, uh, other doctors. Cool. Uh, a lot of referrals from uh, um, uh, physical therapy, from orthopedics. And early on, we uh, were able to uh, cut a niche in the carbon fiber market. I think it was really an interesting opportunity because it, it stepped out of the realm of podiatry and a little bit into the realm of O&P you know, to get into carbon fiber. Yeah. Yep. So it was a great, it was a great uh, segue for us. And, and ultimately, uh, you know, after 20 years in uh, being in business um, last year, we exited and sold the business to Petafix so that uh, Petafix is now uh, managing it. And it's great because it's great to see them use their resources to hmm. build some of the things that uh, we were unable to do. Um, and when I say we, this is a two man army, my wife and I, you know, and really? a, a team of salespeople and you know how it goes, you know, you, you practice by day and then you spend all your off hours. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So have you always been, Jeff, have you always been an entrepreneur? Like, and how did you get into this and how much time did it take you and what were the benefits to you? Was it a pretty substantial, you know, benefit for your practice? Does it supersede your practice itself? Don, there's so many wonderful problems to solve in the world. It's great. It's great. I, I had a, uh, uh, I began to build a uh, electronic health record at one time that um, uh, never really got off the ground, but it was an interesting project to get started. And another point, uh, I had a, um, a survey business uh, called MedServe. We were going to be the good good uh, housekeeping seal for uh, uh, medical offices. So we would survey patients. Um, nobody likes to get surveyed. You know, we, we learned that. Uh, then I had another uh, business uh, called howmuchdoc.com, and that was uh, almost like a dating service for doctors and patients who didn't have health insurance but were willing to pay cash. Mm. And so the uh, cost of the service was um, uh, placed front and center by the physician's office, and then you know, that would uh, create the ability for these two to, to be able to hook up and provide a service. Now, I think each of those uh, are projects that you need to do those and you need to fail before you can have success. You know, you just, you're, 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 my, my first podcast membership site was heal my foot wound fast. Real cool. Well, but people with foot wounds are the most non-compliant poor people around. They didn't pay any, you know, it was just a flop, right. but you have to flop as many times so you can get something that works. Right, Jeff? Right. Right. And they never heal fast. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of fun. I just love the problem solving. I love the, um, um, you know, creating uh, opportunities to solve problems. And it's been interesting because I, I was in private practice for about 30 years. I'm about 36 years into practice now. And um, now I'm, I'm employed in a hospital setting and taking on more and more uh, committee responsibilities. But it's great because the hospital is a small hospital and it allows me now to be an entrepreneur within my hospital, hmm. which is a lot of fun. Yeah. So I, wow. I, I chair the infection control uh, committee and the antimicrobial stewardship. And it's, it's interesting in these days of COVID to be able to create uh, new ways to manage infections and, wow. and prevent infections. Wow. Now, now tell me a little bit, are you pretty, I know a lot of entrepreneurs, I'm not data-driven, but are you data-driven based on, on this, this site that you produced in terms of what pages are, are 
are clicking and which aren't and, and things like that? You know, there's there's uh, uh, so many rabbit holes that you can go, go down and chase, you know, and um, it's interesting how much of the uh, uh, the responses that we see are um, due to voids in the market. So, for instance, if you um, I think a good analogy would be if you, you try to purchase a search term from Google, let's say. So if you purchase, uh, let's say, the word bunion and you try to use pay-per-click advertising based on a search term of bunion, you know, you might end up paying six dollars a click yep. because of the competition with it. Um, strangely enough, the two that have been most successful for us are Saddlebone Deformity which uh, if you search on the internet, there really isn't a lot of uh, literature and there's not a lot of conversation about saddlebone deformities. And then we got picked up, um, I forget the discussion forum, but we got picked up uh, by a discussion forum uh, about piezogenic papules, you know? Yeah, so, you know, can you imagine having your claim to fame in life being piezogenic papules, no. you know, yeah. but traffic was huge, you know, and just off the map. And a lot of times it's these little niche areas that um, uh, people are looking for so that you can compete and you need to find that that niche uh, somehow within your profession. And within foot and ankle care, there's, there's plenty of those. I mean, there's all kinds of little obscure areas that you can go down. Now, how is it that you guys could um, leverage yourself in the market, I know you talked about specific niches, but also during Amazon. So if I take um, turf toe and put it in Amazon, I'm going to get a probably maybe a similar search result, not having the educational component as when I went to when I would go to your your site. So how do you guys mm-hmm. do that now? Is it referrals or is it AdWords or how do you get people showing up there? You know, it's a combination of everything, Don. You know that you you, you need to find, but I. I think um, the only argument that you can really use to counter Amazon is brand building. And we did try Amazon for a while. Consultants said, you have to do this, you have to do this. And, and we um, used Amazon for about six months and we just found that it diluted our brand. Um, we've had an internal conflict for years. Um, do we just go exclusively e-commerce and not spend all the time, effort and energy on knowledge? or do we create a brand that creates that knowledge? And going back to what I mentioned before about content marketing, I think the knowledge base that we have is um, uh, uniquely suited to help people answer questions. Now this isn't gonna be for everybody. You know, if you just want a couple of clicks and buy your product and uh, out the door, um, my foot shop probably isn't gonna be the, uh, the right format for you. We developed um, a program called Medically Guided Shopping. And Medically Guided Shopping really was the, it was created out of a um, incubator uh, at a previous hospital uh, where I worked. And we had the, the advantage of uh, using the incubator, uh, had a, a real nice fellow who was a MD, PhD student who took on our project. And he said, you know, really what you're doing is trying to use medical guidance to help people shop for appropriate products um, so that there's not a lot of, of multiple, time. Per- right. And, you know, think about, you know, your patients, they go to Walmart and they're, you know, much more willing to spend 1395 over and over and over again, than pay a $35 copay. Right. Um, and so what we tried to do is to create this, this model that uh, uses both uh, 
I guess you could say the left-hand side of the brain and the right-hand side of the brain. We have graphics that, uh, for instance, you can click on a region of the foot and it would take you to the knowledge base articles that uh, are associated with that particular portion of the foot. So for instance, if you clicked on the plantar heel, you would pick up a, a series of articles, say Baxter's nerve entrapment, plantar fasciitis, et cetera. Yeah, I, I, I was looking at your, your, your site in preparation and I, I love that where you can pick the part and it'll show the articles. And I love the term, and, and I watched your little intro video when you had more hair, uh, about medically guided shopping. And in what it sounded like is you had, like people could look based on their own thing, but if they had a question, they could call and there's an operator and they would decide, hey, I have this, what do you recommend? Is that, is that correct? That's it. Yeah. So, so I think it's, it's going to be driven by purchases on our site. I think we're going to be driven by people who are willing to take the time to try to understand the problem that they have. And that's not everybody, you know? Um, and I think the other people go to Amazon because they just, you know, they, they want a quick solution, but many times that solution doesn't translate into something that really legitimately solves their problem. Well, I think Jeff, you mentioned everything. How many times do we have patients come in? They say, well, what shoe do I need? Right. Like I, I said, how many shoes have you bought? Well, I bought 10. What shoe do I need? Well, if right. 10 haven't got you better, I can't give you the 11th and make you better. It's not a shoe problem. It's exactly. a foot. And yeah, so yeah. when what you say with this medically guided shopping is you have some different types of things that can help with, let's say, turf toe. But a lot of times they've already spent $200 on every little thing and they won't do a $35 copay. You know, I, and where do you see, and I know, I know you've probably sold out on this, but where do you see future um, potential uh, in terms of for entrepreneurs within podiatry? Let's, let's go. So those that are listening, they maybe they have their own practice and they want to be more entrepreneurial and, and have these side hustles. Where do you see the future? Boy, you know, the direction of medicine that I've seen over the course of my career has been um, interesting from the standpoint that I think as a profession, we're pretty rapidly moving from solo practice to um, uh, being integrated into a larger system. Maybe that's a, a hospital or a group mm -hmm. practice. Um, and I, I don't know where uh, the type of product that we have with my foot shop um, is um, uh, going to, to be something that could be duplicated because it seems like, um, um, let's say you come out of a three-year residency, you know, you're, you're just all ready to, you know, put calcaneal tibial nails in and, you know, you're raring to go and, and you really don't care about selling hammer toe crest pads, right? You know, but I think that there's opportunities that you stumble into, for instance, uh, big trend recently in minimal incision surgery. Yep. Um, and I went through the initial minimal incision surgery uh, problems, you know, that we saw in the 70s and 80s, you know, and 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 all it takes is one generation of podiatry uh, podiatry uh, uh, folks to to you know think that they rediscovered, you know, a, a new technique. But I, I'm seeing better things. For instance, I just did a blog post on my foot shop of uh, minimal incision versus open calcaneal displacement op uh, osteotomies. Um, and I, I think there's some validity for that to be able to use a burr um, and visualize with fluoroscopy the displacement osteotomy. Sure, there's pros and cons. I still do mine open. You know, I still uh, appreciate being able to see the amount of displacement. But 
I, I think, you know, companies are helping us to evolve in our surgical techniques. Mm-hmm. For the individual, though, it's, it's a challenge and you've got to be willing to um, make a commitment whether you win or whether you lose, you know, in terms of um, uh, what you're doing, but you got to commit, you got to be willing to work hard and you have to have that, that sense that the goal that I'm, I'm reaching for is real and it'll benefit people. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff, you know, I, I, I think there, there's a certain people that are going to resonate with this podcast and with what we're talking about. And it's probably going to be the private practitioners. I, I think the group, the ones that are in groups or in hospitals, uh, I, I just kind of say they're not hungry enough. You know, they're getting mm-hmm. fed patients and they just, they churn them in and out. Whereas I think at a private practice, you're trying to ho- learning how to optimize each one with new technology and shockwave and amnio and all these other types of things and the crest pads and, and, you know, all these other types of things that you're doing. And uh, I think it really depends on what type of practice you're in. If you really want to have your own practice or work in a group, I think it's going to be different. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. So as we see, um, what I would say the majority of uh, uh, new graduates, uh, they look like they're going into group practices. Um, and it's, I, I'll tell you honestly, Don, I'm very proud of where our profession mm-hmm. has gone. You know, gosh, we have matured so much. When, when I came out of school in 83, um, I, sure, I had four years of education and I had a one-year residency, but I've learned so much since then, yeah. you know, and I, and I, I see these young kids coming out, um, young kids, you know, they're typically late twenties or early thirties by that time. Um, and they, they have a much more uh, integrated knowledge set of not only just lower extremity uh, health, but also general medicine. It's great to see. Yeah. Yeah. We work with residents here in Worcester and, it, and they're very well qualified when they come out. Um, I, not many of them are interested in practice management though. And uh, yeah. so I think they're going to, uh, I just say, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I, I am. I, I think they're really well prepared to be good employees. That's a good way to put it. And, yeah. and I think well but the problem is with an employee is you're capped. Mm-hmm. You're probably not going to have multiple practices. You're probably not going to have multiple associates. You're probably, you know what I'm saying? Where the real benefit is, is that second and third doctor, that second and third location, that new invention that you invented that right. can help the profession. Or there are a few people um, that are kind of industry transformers that invent braces, for example, or invent, you know, other things that can benefit the whole profession. And that's kind of what I like to interview people and talk about people that have like kind of changed things uh, mm-hmm. in a profession. Like what are new things like minimal invasion servant kind of coming back to that or, or other types of, sh- they invented their own shoe or their own course or things like that. So you bet. yeah. It's, it's, it's and, I, and I, I think those opportunities, even if uh, you're in group practice and you're employed, I think those opportunities are still there. You just have to have that sense of curiosity and that sense of problem solving and the joy that comes from, wow, that's cool. I did that. That's, you know, that that's really made a change in how we do things. And, and um, it's really made uh, a whole new set of benefits for the people we care yeah. for. You know, Jeff, one thing I really admire is you're kind of a prolific writer in terms of mm-hmm. writing content, blogging. Mm-hmm. Um, for those that are interested in, in kind of blogging, I'm a real habit guy. Do you have a certain habit? Like you do a, a draft and you do a final, you do it every Monday, you do an hour a day. Where do you find time in a busy practice to, to blog so consistently? Well, you just got to go off in the corner sometimes and, you know, have a little quiet time. Okay. Yeah. But I think you also have to be motivated by the th- things in the world that you see around you, you know, and, and then um, it's interesting because um, my take on on what needs to be on myfootshop.com is more technical 
than what the um, uh, new owners with Petafix um, uh, believe. Um, and I think there's a mix between the two because for many uh, consumers, um, medical language is a difficult thing to wade through. But for instance, um, some of the blogging that I did about Cartiva implant failures um, was picked up you know, um, over and over again because it was something that people are really looking for. So I, I think the challenge is finding that blend between what's consumer-oriented information and, uh, you know, how technical you can go with it. Uh, because I think the technical part of it matters. It, it differentiates us from uh, family practice or, you know, a, a more general form of medicine. We're a subspecialty with a very unique set of skills. Good. Well, Jeff, I think we I, we covered a lot of good topics here. And uh, I, I appreciate your time and your expertise in handling this. Um, what, uh, if you want to learn more about myfootshop.com, that's where it's at. So I think there's the knowledge base anywhere else that you'd send people to. No, you know, I think, um, um, uh, we tried to have that conversation on multiple levels with uh, the people that interact with my foot shop. Like you mentioned, we have a sales support team, mm -hmm. uh, chat is always, uh, an opportunity. And we talk to people from all over the world, Don, it's really wonderful. Um, it's neat to see, you know, how healthcare is provided, uh, throughout the world. Good. Well, well, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate doing this interview. Thanks, Don. Appreciate it.